Welcome to the Keto Donist Podcast with your host, Dr. Matt. We're here to explore the worlds of low carb and ketogenic diets, primal and paleo lifestyles, and oral and whole body health. We're taking the best information from the leading minds in health and wellness and making those worlds collide. This is the Keto Donist Podcast. All right, and we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to the Ketodonis Podcast. My name is Dr. Matthew Standridge, and I'm a a practicing dentist here in Yates Center, Kansas, in the United States. I'm also a certified primal health coach. I'm a certified fitness trainer through the ISSA, and um, recently became a boot camp coach for the group Keto Gains, which if you've listened to this show any length of time, you know I was a big fan of and I was happy to um, join their ranks. So since the beginning of 2016, I have lost over 90 pounds by adopting a primal ketogenic lifestyle to help correct my metabolism, heal inflammatory issues, and improve mental clarity and cognition. While this show is not meant to be seen as giving specific medical advice, after seeing the improvement in both my and my family's uh, health through basically just eating real food, changing the lifestyle, changing the diet. Um, I was inspired to spread the message of healthy, real nutrition to my patients, my family, my community, and now you. This um, this show also helps act as a uh, form of accountability of sorts because it helps me track my journey to even further weight loss and increased health, as well as help guide others along their own path to better health and wellness. So if you're new to the show, I welcome you. I'm glad you found your way over here. The reason I started this show was mainly to cut through a lot of the BS out there. And every day, the amount of misinformation, it just keeps compounding, it seems. And so we have to make our voice louder about getting the real science out there, cutting through the bull, cutting through the woo, and really getting down to brass tacks of what's applicable, what's feasible, and really what's not. And so, um, also, you uh, regular listeners know that this is really to help combat, my, my biggest focus on this is talking about the epidemic of the healthy uh, message of healthy living and uh, reversing the epidemic of chronic disease, especially when it comes to diabetes-related diseases. Um, Big ones being Alzheimer's, um, type 2 diabetes, all these uh, chronic inflammatory diseases. And it's because of you good people that this show continues to grow, but we can't let up, we can't, we can't let our foot off the gas, we gotta keep going, because like I said, every day more and more misinformation and fake gurus uh, enter the scene, and we have to be the countercurrent to that. We have to be the voice with it, of reason, we have to show the science, and so I can't do that without your help. And so getting into the show, This is a little bit different because I'm recording video, not just audio like I usually do. And also I am countercurring, streaming live on Instagram. 
So I may be looking over here at the Instagram video once in a while and checking to see if people have questions or whatever. So um, it's going to be, I'm wanting to make this show a little bit more dynamic and a little bit more personal. Uh, and so I want people to be able to give feedback, ask questions and all that stuff. So you may have been able to tell by today's, the title of today's show, that it's a little bit different focus than our normal show. I had done a video a few days ago, a Facebook Live video about titled why that dental insurance is mostly a scam. And I want to give, I want to use this time, I got such great feedback and I got a lot of questions about it and I got a lot of personal stories about it that um, I really wanted to do something a little bit more in depth. Also do a show that I'm a little bit calmer on. I was pretty jazzed when I did that, uh, did that live video. So I, want, I wanted to do a version of the show where I'm a little bit more clear and concise with my message. So, and you may have already seen it, um, watch the Facebook Live video that I did right when I got home, when I got back from a hearing up in Topeka, which is the uh, state capital here in Kansas. And if you haven't seen that video yet, then here's the gist of it. So, early this last week, I was asked to give testimony for a bill coming up uh, that was going to be seen at a hearing through the House Committee on Human or Health and Human Services. And the bill number was 2307, um, clarifying that de minimis coverage and exhausted coverage not qualify as covered dental services. And I'll get into that a little bit more here in a little bit. And actually, I will attach a PDF of the version of the bill on the website along with. Uh, my copy of my written testimony. And I was asked last minute uh, to testify. And so the, my written testimony wasn't quite as clear and concise as maybe as I, I would have liked it to have been, but considering I wrote it at like 5 a.m. the day it was due, I don't think it was too shabby. And uh, when I arrived for the hearing, I found out due to some miscommunication between the KDA, uh, the Kansas Dental Association, and the House Committee, I was put in as written testimony only because of an overloaded hearing schedule. So I didn't get to verbally testify. They had my written testimony and it's on record and all that stuff. It's kind of a bummer that I didn't get to voice my testimony. I did let them know that I was there though and I did uh, introduce myself to the House committee, com uh, committee members after the hearing and everything so that way they could see that I was indeed there, put a, uh, put a face to um, the testimony and all that stuff. So while it's kind of a bummer that I didn't get to speak, um, I'm still glad I went to go see the process. So first off, if you've ever been in one of these hearings, it's pretty interesting. But it's important to realize that when dealing in these hearings and you're testifying in front of these elective representatives, um, these politicians, one must remember that these folks are just normal people. 
The formality of it can be kind of intimidating, but really this is just their day-to-day -day job. And so it's, it's nothing to get all that worked up over, honestly. Uh, so I do recommend that if you have the time and you have the passion for it to get involved in these type of things. And I did have to laugh at the irony that two of the reps, I won't name them, but two of the reps were passing out candies. One was passing out chocolates, one was passing out those marshmallow peeps uh, to all the other reps while they were setting up the room. Now, I guess it was some, it's something that they have, like if somebody's phone goes off during a hearing or something, they have to do something for the rest of the um, committee, I guess. But here we are at a hearing for the House Committee uh, on Health and Human Services, and all of the representatives are eating candy. If that is not a glaring example of how screwed we are, as far as setting health policies in this country, I, I really don't know what is. So we were third in line on the docket. The first was an update on a stem cell project through K, uh, KU Med. The second was a bill about therapies to reverse oral abortion medications. Now that one was an interesting hearing to sit on to say the least and you know, talk about a tough act to follow, right? Um, but then after those, we had our bill, um, our hearing on Bill 2307. So what was Bill 2307? It is an amended version of a bill previously passed that brings more transparency to dental insurance. One part of the bill uh, says that insurance companies cannot change contracts with their providers without signed agreement. And the other part of the bill calls for clarification of covered versus non-covered services. So before we get into that, um, I wanna say I, I think we had a good showing. We had, we had four proponents for the bill changes, and we had two opponents. So the proponents were representative from KDA and three, uh, and, and three dentists that spoke. And then I had technically a, 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 I was technically a fifth, even though mine was written only. And, and they did a good job. I did think that we need to clarify the message a little bit, because in these hearings and when they're packed, you only get like three minutes to speak. And so one of my constructive criticisms that I emailed one of the dentists afterwards was, because the very next day I woke up 5 a.m. again to do my morning ritual and half of that was uh, writing constructive criticism to the um, to one of the guys that kind of puts this on, one of the head honchos, organizers for this thing, giving constructive criticism for the message, how we need to clarify the message and how we need to frame things. So hopefully they'll heed some of that advice and maybe we can do a better job shaping the message and the delivery here forward. 
but they did a good job and you can tell that they're passionate about it you know they wouldn't we wouldn't be driving up to the state capitol most of us have well over an hour and a half two three hour drive to get up there and so they wouldn't be doing that in the middle of the week if they weren't if they didn't really believe in what they were what uh, what they were doing right and so we had two people uh, or we had four people testify there proponents and then two opponents and both of them of course were um I won't say the word shills, but nothing else comes to mind. Representatives, I guess, for the uh, uh, dental insurance, one for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas, and one was for this kind of a overall dental plans association, like more of a national association. And that was interesting how they kind of, you know, they're lawyers, and so they did a, they did a very, technically good job even though it was bs um of of getting their message across they use a bunch of misleading figures and all that stuff saying 90 percent of the dentists in kansas are contracted all that stuff and i'll get into exactly why that's technically true but it's not necessarily by choice it's kind of a coercion tactic um, but i can talk about that a little bit um, but anyway, so first off, though, I want to get into, before they're getting into their argument, I want to go over a little bit more about dental insurance itself and frame the conversation of, through uh, history. So dental insurance, I think, if I remember right, it was first introduced in California in the 1950s. By the 70s, it became fairly popular, and the biggest... A company for it was Delta Dental and it's actually interesting because Delta Dental is a company that was originally started by dentists to create a benefit uh, excuse me a benefits plan to try to encourage people to utilize dental care so it's kind of funny that this thing became such a profit hungry monster that has led the way for just ridiculous ridiculously low benefits and it was actually created and it screws dentists over day in day out and and patients and is actually originated in a you know path to hell's laid with good intentions type of thing so back in the day in the 70s the the plans didn't distinguish between in-network or out-of-network providers they just established kind of what's What's, con what's called UCRs, usual and customary rates for the area. And they would pay, they basically paid a tier, 100% um, um, towards preventative care, 80% for minor work, so like, you know, basically fillings, and 50% for any major work like crowns, bridges, um, root canals, that type of stuff. Now, this is where it gets interesting because back in the 70s, the average annual benefit was around $1,000 to $1,500. Today, it, back in 2019, so 40, almost 50 years later, it's still the same coverage. I want you to think about that for a minute. So in their, their premiums have shot up dramatically over the 50 years, but the annual benefit has stayed the same. Now, due to the rate of inflation 
it's I, I've seen varying reports, but to keep up with the cost of inflation, the benefits, the annual uh, annual benefits should be around. I've seen fifty five hundred. I've seen seven thousand. It kind of depends on what rate of end, uh, what what index rate of inflation you're going off of, but it should basically be five times the amount that they're doing. But every year they drop, they lower their coverage. So they're denying more claims. They're upping the premium. So the patient, their employer, usually it's a com combination of the two, um, are paying more every year for less and less and less benefit. Now, in what other business, not just medicine, but what other business on the planet is that much of a racket? I, I, would, I, I would love to see that. You know, and, and so getting back to things, in the 70s, almost all the plans were Delta Dental, and then other insurance companies, seeing the profitability of this, started making their plans. So Guardian, United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Concordia, MetLife, Aetna, you know, um, Cigna, Anthem, all that stuff. And so now, now everybody wants a, a piece of the pie, right? But as I said, premiums keep going up and benefits keep dropping. And even though that they keep the annual benefit the same, so we'll say 1500, um, most people, when you combine the amount paid by the employer and or the patients, because some people buy it on their own, uh, some people, uh, their employer kicks in uh, a chunk of it, and all that stuff. But when you combine all the stuff that people are paying for their benefits, they're paying for $600 to $900 on average um, per year, per person, for these dental benefits. So they're paying $600 to $900 a year to maybe, maybe, maybe get $1,000 to $1,500 in benefit. And that benefit is eaten up by everything. So it's eaten up by your, your cleanings and your examinations and your x-rays and all that stuff. So it's not like you get a base package of services plus you get $1,500 to spend elsewhere. It's everything gets, goes into this $1,500 pot. So you can see right off the bat why this is a waste of time. It really is. I mean, it's a waste of time for the employers. It's a waste of time for the patients. But unfortunately, because the dental insurance industry and medicine in general has, has shaped the public psyche and the narrative that you have to have insurance. People think that they have to have insurance to go um, to anything medical, including dental, but it's not like that in dental. Um, because dental insurance nowadays is basically worthless. It, I mean, it's the, it's the biggest profit machine for, the, for insurance companies that I've ever seen. And so there's that, and then there's also, most people don't even get to touching, um, to even sniff getting a recruitment on their investment, seeing an ROI on the benefits. And then there's a lot of people who are, um, paying through their employer um, for benefits, and I forget what it is, but it's over a third of the population don't even use their benefits. 
So the dental insurance company, that is just pure profit. A third of the people with benefits don't even use them because they just don't, with their value system, they just don't see the need to go to the dentist and, you know, nothing hurts. They're reactive and all that stuff, or they just, around here, um, dental value is pretty low. A lot of edentialism, tooth loss, all that stuff is, um, it's almost like a rite of passage here. And so that's unfortunate. It's like, oh, my, my mom had dentures, my dad had dentures, I'll have dentures. You're only 30, dude. You don't, you can, you can correct course. Nah, it's, it's, it's my destiny. It's just what it, it is what it is. So you can kind of see some of my frustration sometimes. But a third of the people don't even use their benefits, right? And so can you see how obscenely profitable the dental insurance industry is? Um, as I said in my, uh, live, in my live Facebook Live video that in 2016, the CEO of Delta Dental of California. So this is just the subsidiary of California. I forget how many Delta Dental. And I don't think there is a, there's not a de Delta Dental for every state, I don't think, but there's quite a few. So it's not like the overall big Delta Dental, right? But the CEO of just California, and they're based out of San Francisco, made more income than the CEO of Apple. Again, the Delta Dental of California made more income than CEO of Apple. And so let's give a little comparison. Apple has over 100,000 employees, okay? And had over 200 billion in revenue um, in 2016. And their CEO was paid $8.7 million, which uh, that's pretty good money, you know. But that is a huge corporation doing a, having, that has tons of employees doing huge revenue. The Delta Dental of California only has 2,000 employees, had revenues of $6 billion. And their CEO got paid $14.3 million. So think about that. That's the, the CEO of Delta of California got, got over $5.5 million more just that year than the CEO of Apple. And then further that, considering that Delta Dental is a nonprofit. So they don't pay, they don't pay their, ta they don't pay taxes on that money. And yet they have a CEO of just one subsidiary making five and a half million dollars more than the CEO of Apple. Tell me in what world this is, this is, this is correct, that this is ethical and moral. I can't, I mean, it's just, even just saying it, even though I've known it for a few years, even just saying it still dumbfounds me to this day. Sorry, I take a drink. So, and then here in, here in Kansas is something similar. So in Kansas, Delta Dental has a cash reserves. They're just money in the bank sitting there 
of over $60 million. Now, how do they get so much money? It's by people you take, uh, paying their premiums, but not using the benefit. And it's by them upping their premiums every year and reducing the coverage and what they pay out for, um, for services. And it's by denying claims. It's by overloading their their agreement books. Like if you get if you get a if you get into a uh, sign up with an insurance, just dental insurance, you have a packet uh, about a half inch thick, and it's going to go in there, and it's going to have small print of all the exclusions that they're going to have, and so they're they're covering less and less per year, and that allows them to keep more of that money. That's how they get $60 million in the bank of just Kansas, and as I said in that video, that is more in cash than the entire American Dental Association, just one state of Delta. That doesn't even include all the other companies. This is just Delta has more in cash reserves than the entire American Dental Association. So you can see you can see kind of the frustration behind this, right? And so let's take this and get take it back to um, to the bill at hand. All this bill was was clarifying two things, and as far as the patient part goes, it's clarifying what's covered and what's not covered. Services. That's it because. Back a few years ago, they, they passed this bill calling for this transparency and calling for this clear communication of covered versus non-covered. But apparently in the bill, there wasn't enough clarification. And so, and this bill was passed by a vast majority of states, but there was just enough vague wording that allowed the dental insurance companies to come up with new verbiage and terminology to muddy the waters. So um, instead of covered versus non-covered, they created verbiage like disallowed. So disallowed is talking about um, covered services, but they're, they're covered, but they're not going to be, it's basically they're not going to be um, paid, paid for. So you're saying they're non-covered? No, they're covered, they're just disallowed. What in the hell are you talking about? And so that's just, that's just one example of how they've kind of snaked through the, these loopholes. And all this bill was, was creating clarification to get rid of those loopholes. Now we're not telling them to lower their premiums. They're not, we're not telling them to increase the, the amount of benefits. We're not telling them to get rid of the deductibles or that can, they can only make so much profit for a year, all this stuff. We're not talking about any of that. We are just talking about getting clear on what's covered and what's not covered. So that way patients can have a better understanding of their coverage. Doctors don't have to have staff on, you know, trying to track down this stuff and jumping all through these hoops through insurance. You know, I have, I have team members, one team member that's dedicated to, you know, insurance and, you know, she'll spend 45 minutes 
on hold trying to get through to an insurance company to see if something's covered that we might get, the patient might get $20 worth of coverage on. It's so, it's such a time suck as far as efficiency and it jacks up overhead and it jacks up the cost of care. And it, and like I said, it just, it leaves everybody, both patients and the dental offices confused. And it's just gotten to the point that we have to be like throwing stuff to the wall and see what sticks. Like we'll submit it. I don't know what I don't know what's going to what's going to be covered, and that sucks for the patient because I 100% believe in transparency in medicine. And I 100% believe in price transparency. One of the things I hate about general medicine. One of the reasons I actually went to dental was because it was more free market and because there was people were paying more out of pocket for dental and so it's kept the prices in check compared to general medicine we haven't had the runaway inflation yes it's out it's outpaced general inflation by two or three points but it's not like 15 points like what general medicine has outpaced inflation. So it's still, as far as all of the aspects of medicine, it's one of the more uh, free market based uh, as far as their prices go. Now, a lot of people have hangups on how much dentistry should cost and all that stuff, but I'm sorry, it, it, takes, it takes a lot of money to run a dental office. Uh, it takes a lot of money to have good materials and good equipment and technology and to pay your teams. And definitely now with the cost of dental school, I graduated back in 2010 and it cost me over $300,000. I graduated at like $330,000 and that was just dental school because luckily I was able to work um, through college and I pay my way through general college. So I didn't go into dental school with any um, school debt. And my parents, luckily enough, were able to um, also helped me out with books and stuff too. So I want to give credit where credit's due there, but I also worked almost full time in college as well. And so I went to dental school without any uh, school debt. And so that 330,000 was just from four years of dental school. And it's locked in at 6.8% interest. So you have that plus to start or buy a practice you're, it's well over anywhere between 500 to a million dollars to acquire a practice. So you have folks going into a million dollars in debt just to practice dentistry. So this isn't to, this isn't to be a sob story for, you know, for dentists. It's just, it's clear indications that I'm sorry, it does take money to run a dental office. And people who object to that usually just kind of have hangups about going to the dentist themselves. And so getting back on the track here, there's only so much that dentists can do. And I am all for efficiency. I am all for, like I said, I, my prices, considering the, the um, equipment that I use and the level of uh, technology, that I use and the quality of supplies that I use, my, my prices are very, very, I mean, I'm in the 40th or 50th percentile, so very middle of the road, but we really try to exceed on quality. And 
you just you can't do that when your prices are being undercut. And so with dental insurance covering less and less and less and the cost of business going, you know, going through inflation like everything else, dental insurance is just becoming more and more of a joke and more and more of a sham. And so that was, that was talking about that uh, one part of the bill. And then the other part of the bill was about something, was stemmed from something Blue Cross Blue Shield did here in Kansas, which um, they created a sub-tier program, a capitation program, and they were automatically enrolling every doctor into it. And it was set up through what they call their evergreen program. So every year you, they, you get a piece of uh, a letter that's basically saying, you know, we're going to automatically uh, re-enroll you in the program that you're already in and, you know, just opt out. If you don't want to be in network anymore, you know, sign here, send it back and we'll opt you out. Well, that's, that's all great and good for something you've already signed up for and you just want to keep rolling with it but what they tried to do was uh was dovetail in at the end of that um this capitation program which was lowering benefits to the patients lowering lowering even further reimbursements to the doctors and it's it's a crap plan they call it a cap plan i told the rep no it's a crap plan and but they were automatically going to enroll you in this new plan unless if you opted out. And so that is shady AF right there, in my opinion, because it's, it's, it's rolled into this just general Manila thing that you always get. And there's no special announcement about it and all that stuff. And the vast majority of people didn't even realize it was there because as business owners, you get, you get 20, 20 pieces of mail per day, you know, and so you have to kind of weed out through some of that stuff. And that's by design. I mean, you know it is. Anything, you know that if you send anything of value of anything of importance that you have red lettering, that it's very pronounced packaging and all that stuff. There's a reason they made it so generic and so, van uh, so manila. Um, so that way it would just creep creep in and fly under the radar. And so, um, so one of the things one of the opponents, the representative for Blue Cross Blue Shield was talking about was that, uh, oh, we, we need to keep it like this because it's, you know, it's much more efficient that these people just automatically get enrolled versus the, bureau, the um, you know, the amount of paperwork it would take for people to opt out and all that stuff and i'm like i'm sorry it makes your life more difficult cry me a friggin river with how much profit you're making yeah you can hire a couple more people to process this stuff wah you know give me a break and then um he was talking about well 90 percent of the dentist in in kansas ought to, must have liked it because they didn't opt out it's like no the vast majority of them are in because they were swindled they didn't realize it was there because they're busy trying to treat people and trying to run a business. And so it was just, because I'm like, you can, t I've talked to these guys. These guys, these people are my colleagues. 
I've talked to them. I'm on these dental messaging boards. I'm on, I'm in, um, I'm moderator, a moderator for various dental groups, uh, Facebook groups and stuff like that. We all talk and the vast majority of them are absolutely pissed because they were swindled into this plan and it takes forever to opt out to, to get out of it and all that. So it's just the, the, the amount of shadiness is, was just overwhelming. And so, so that's, that's kind of how that went. I think we had a strong hear, a strong hearing, but you could tell on the, on some of the chair people's face that they were just, they were siding with insurance. And I don't, I don't want to get all conspiracy theorists. I don't want to talk about like in my, in my video, I talked about greasing palms and I was a little jazzed up at that time. Maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but there's there's certainly something going on because as a representative to talk, to fight for the masses, anybody not and you can take like I said, I'll put a link of this bill. You can look at it. It's there's nothing bad about it going. It, it's fighting for transparency. It's not even asking the, the insurance companies to change their system. So it's only a net win for patients. So anybody going against it, I can't really fathom about it because it's not in, in, it, it, there's nothing in there that's really an encroachment to, um, to regulating how people do business and all that stuff. There really isn't. Um, because I'm a free market guy. I don't like, I don't like intrusion and I don't like, you know, overregulation and all that stuff. There's nothing of that sort in there. This is just kind of crony capitalism at its finest or corporatism. And so I don't know what the deal is, but yeah, I doubt, I think it comes out on Monday. Uh, I'm recording this on Saturday. I doubt it's going to go anywhere. Honestly, I think it's going to go down in flames. And so it's, it's funny, as, as PO'd as I get about it, I can tell that this is something that I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be going up there, unless if they just <laughs> tell me I can't because I'm a little too vocal. I don't know. But uh, yeah, this isn't about a lament on dental insurance. It's to show that we need transparency to the consumer. That's what it's about. And that's the reason I supported this bill. And it's... It's so that we can have clear agreements between doctor and patient. So that way, treatment plans and, and move, moving forward with treatment, that this can be a mutually beneficial relationship and that the patient gets the level of care that is, you know, that is specific and appropriate for them. And on the level of the quality, the level of the financials and all that stuff. Because in my practice, we bend over backwards to make sure we have clear financial agreements so that there's no sticker shock or there's no hidden, you know, hidden costs that come, um, come back to bite people on the butt because we don't want people to be put out. We want to be very, very, very accessible. And so, that's, we'll see, you know, not to, not to be, maybe they'll surprise me, but just leaving there, I, I just, I felt a little deflated, but at the same time, I'm really glad that I went.
And so, oh, and during some of the questions, so one representative, kind of closer to my area, he's, he represents us, I think, somewhere in southeast Kansas. He was giving one of the dentists a hard time, like, oh, why can't we, uh, you know, there's no cash savings in dentistry, blah, 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 blah. Like, you can take a big old bag of cash and you get no savings. You, you know, if you have a big bill at an, a hospital, you can go in and haggle. Well, so here's the thing with that argument is that hospitals have inflated prices. You've heard of the $600 for, for an aspirin type stuff, nickel and dime sky high charges. And it's because of the insurance, comp, uh, the insurance they, they inflate their prices so they can, um, it's, they're overly artificially inflated so they can uh, send those high um, prices to the insurance. Insurance will haggle. They'll, they'll cut them down and everything and then they go back to the patient for the remainder but because the prices were artificially high that then leads to being able to haggle down to a level that where they can get payment it's a lot like you go to um like if you go to a car dealership and they have all of these um, rebates, all of these things that they offer, it's because they artificially jack up the price to give them wiggle room to negotiate because they wouldn't sell after all these rebates, after all this cash back, all that stuff, they wouldn't sell a car if they were losing money on it. So you jack up the price in order to, it, to give you wiggle room to then negotiate down. In dentistry, it's not really like that because it's always been kind of consumer, it's always been consumer based as far as people having to pay a level out of pocket. And so we don't have necessarily these artificially high prices. I have my set overhead and then I have to tack on um, profit, uh, a level of profit so I can get paid, you know, make income myself and then that, you know, and then that leads to what the price is. So whenever I charge for something, you know, it's like whenever I pay for my dental, uh, my dental supplies, my bonding agents, my composites, my, you know, my crown cements, all that stuff, it costs me the same here in little tiny Yates Center, Kansas, town of 1300 people, median household income of only $30,000. We're a poor area. It cost me just as much to buy that stuff as it was if I was practicing in Kansas City. Um, when I bought my digital scanner, I have a 3D scanner for digital impressions. So because we're doing a lot more stuff with digital ortho and digital wax ups for, for full mouth rehabilitations and all that stuff. It cost me just as much to buy that digital scanner as it would have if I was practicing in New York City. And so it, I can't just magically make things cheaper. And so we don't have that, you know, we, we don't have inflated prices in some, some, something as big as a big hospital versus we are independently owned, family, family run small businesses. And so it, that's, that there's an apples to oranges comparison. I wish the dentist who was, um, who had been asked that question would have responded to that but he didn't unfortunately he kind of made it about himself and he did mention cost savings programs like membership programs and we do also offer that in our office as well so basically in my office it's about 250 to 300 dollars 250 for kids 300 dollars 
um, for, uh, per person for an annual membership. And that membership covers basically everything that would be covered in through a dental insurance, but at half to a third of the price. So instead of $600 or $900, it's $300. And that covers your exams, your x-rays, your cleanings, and it does give a price break um, for any other services. But that, the, thing, the cool thing about it is there's no exclusions. There's no, um, there's no waiting periods. There's no denials. Um, it covers, you know, you get cost savings for fillings. You get cost savings for crowns. You get cost savings for implants. You get cost savings for whitening, for advanced preventative services, for night guards, for, you know, for veneers, for anything that you'd want, you get savings. So right there, you get cost savings compared to premiums, but you also just get better coverage, in my opinion. Because dental insurance every year covers less and less, like crowns. Crowns are a pretty mainstay service in general dentistry because teeth break and fillings aren't strong enough to restore them, to return strength to the teeth. You need something stronger like porcelain or metal, hence crowns. And they're just denying more and more. Um, stuff like implants. Implants are becoming kind of the gold standard of replacing missing teeth. And luckily with the, um, with dental, uh, with dental advances in dental technologies and efficiencies and competition in the implant manufacturer space, prices have been able to come down significantly. Um, you know, beforehand, when I had to refer to a specialist and all that stuff to restore a single tooth um, with the implant, with the abutment connection, with the crown, all that stuff, it was well over $5,000. Now, within my office, I can, um, I, I do my packages for missing back tooth. It's, it's like 30, uh, 32 to 3,600. I've almost, I've been able to reduce it by almost 40%. And that is, and, and that's with using the best technology. We use cone beam. I do all my stuff guided. I, I have a 3D printer in the back. So I 3D print a surgical guide that allows me to place the implant exactly where I planned it digitally. Um, it's awesome. And the quality is amazing. And we've been able to lower our price. Now it can't be super cheap because those, that, those pieces of equipment and all that stuff, that's expensive. But the net result has been a lowering of the price. So even with that, dental insurance still doesn't cover any of that. You know, you could get a front tooth knocked out and they just say, too friggin' bad, TFB, um, you're SOL. Because implants are, you know, excluded or non-covered or they're disallowed. It's even better. And if they do cover them, a lot of times they have these ridiculous stipulations like, yeah, we have implant coverage, but tucked away in the fine print, it's, it's only to help snap a denture onto. You, you know, you're not, if you're just missing one tooth, that's, that's not covered. And so I'll step off my soapbox here. We're going at almost 50 minutes now, but that's, that's where we're at. Dental insurance, it's, it's not worth it. It really isn't. There's a there, and there's a reason why you go to um, you go to a uh, sports event and on the jumbotron they have the smile cam presented by 
you know, some dental insurance company, and they pay that by having ridiculously high premiums and paying for less benefit. That's at the end of the day. That's how it's. That's how all this stuff is paid for. So, I hope you guys start. You you look into alternatives. Look into you know. Um, I would love if more uh, companies offered HSAs, health savings accounts, to where you can get your money tax-free and you can use that money towards whatever you want in medicine, including dental. I think those are awesome. Look for offices that are doing membership programs. Um, or they might be dental memberships, they might be known as dental savers programs, something like that. Um, but that's starting to become popular and we're we're one of the first people and we're the first office we were one of the first um offices in the whole entire state of kansas to offer this now luckily it's um become a little bit more popular but we're still the only one in our demographic area by far probably in a 90 mile radius that's doing this type of stuff so you know, look for something like that and then also of course prevention 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 right Dental, dental disease, for the most part, is a lifestyle-driven disease. It's a, definitely a diet-driven disease. And that is one of the biggest reasons why I'm such a promoter for healthy, paleo, low-carb, ketogenic diets and lifestyles is because those are basically perfect dental diets. L reducing sugar, reducing sh grains, right there, those two things, no sugar, no grains, reduces your, uh, reduces your risk of dental disease by quite a bit. And then, you know, there's advanced preventative services and all that stuff available, how you mechanically clean your teeth, what type of products you use at home. I'm a big, um, big fan of uh, baking sodas and stuff like xylitols and stuff like that. Whether people use fluoride or not, I know a lot of people have hang-ups on fluoride. Me personally, I've looked into the science on both things and I myself, I still use fluoride a lot, um, but this isn't to get in a religious argument about that. Um, and I respect people's, uh, I, I respect people's uh, stance if they don't want fluoride. That's fine. I don't twist anybody's arm. Um, there are other things that we can do as well to get some benefit. But that's really where it's, come, it's going to come down to is being empowered to make your own health decisions and to not let some faceless bureaucrat who's getting paid to deny services paid to you, you know, uh, services paid to you don't let them have power over you. Take a stand for yourself. Opt out of the system. Talk to your employers and share this show. Let them know how much of a waste of money it is. And so that way you can start taking control of yourself, taking control of your life and your own health. So I'll, like I said, I'll step off here. Um, I'm hoping to get another episode in next week. Things have been super busy here with recording uh, the online curriculum for the Garrity Orthodontic Seminars and uh, coaching, like I said, coaching keto gains. I have my own personal health coaching stuff going. Oh, so speaking of that, that, that reminds me. Keto Gains Boot Camp's coming up in March. So if you're wanting to join, we're almost full. So get on it, ketogainsbootcamps.com. 
I will suggest now that they've redone things to where you can sign up for multiple boot camps, I really suggest that you do so. There's so much to learn in just one boot camp, it can be overwhelming. And I have concerns of people just doing one and then and then leaving because it's going to take a while. It's going to take some repetitions to get, let the, uh, this stuff sink in. So now that they have the kind of auto pay for the new, um, for extended times, really, really look into doing that. But you need to kind of act fast because we're filling up and we're, I think we're almost full for March. So, but we still, still do have some spots left. So get in while you can, tell them I sent you, let's, me, Matthew Standridge, as your reference if you um, do sign up. And then as far as health, uh, personal health coaching goes, if you're wanting to get more one-on-one -on -one guidance, I have a couple of spots left for that. Now, I only take a few, I only take about anywhere between six to 10 people at a time because I'm busy with other things. I want to make sure I don't want to be overstretched. I want to make sure I'm giving um, my personal clients the, the time and the attention that they need. But I can't overburden myself because I still have a full-time practice. Um, I still have a family. I have the podcast. I have um, all this other stuff. Um, I'm writing a couple books, um, working on a product launch. So. I can't take too many on at a time, but if you are interested, shoot me an email, uh, ketogenist, uh, or sorry, <laughs> um, my phone just went berserk, ketodonist at gmail.com. Um, just say that you're interested, be happy to get with you. Now, um, I will send you back a questionnaire to fill out kind of a discovery form to see if we're going to be a good fit and to see if I can really provide the value that you need. Because if not, if I don't think I'm the right person for it, I'm going to tell you so and I'm going to help you find the right place. So I don't try to be, I don't try to be the single solution for everybody. But that being said, I, I do believe I can help out a lot of folks. So shoot me an email, ketodonist at gmail.com and I'll get back to you. But until, until then guys, thanks for joining the show. Um, leave us a five-star review, written review on iTunes would be awesome because that's how we really, that's how we really promote the show. That's what iTunes cares about, our five-star reviews and written reviews. So please get, uh, drop us a line and let us know how we're doing. So until then, you guys take care and I'll talk to you later.